Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everybody. Welcome to December. Do, 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 do. Now that I'm alone up in the intro, I just really feel like I have full reign to do and say whatever I please. Uh, we are going to get into the I and team very shortly. But before we do, a few things. Uh, first of all, London, we aren't there yet as I'm recording this. But by the time this gets into your little Scooby ears, we will have probably met... Oh, you know, James Marsters uh, and other Buffy alum over at the London Vampire Ball. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, or on Facebook, or all three at BufferingCast. And you can see those pictures, stay updated, and patrons, we are going to send you some extra content from our time at the con as well. Uh, if you want to become a patron, of course, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon and you can find out all of the wonderful, lovely brilliant things that you get by being one of our patrons. Um, Seattle, we are getting closer to coming out to your city. January 19th and 20th, we will be at PodCon. And uh, stay tuned because we will hopefully have some details on a meetup that we are arranging for January 21st in the early afternoon. Now, before I get to the other newsy news, we of course have to get to spooky news. All right, I'm going to get historical with this spooky news because I want to keep you on your toes. It doesn't have to be something that just happened. It can be something that happened, I don't know, when like King Louis, the, let's see, XIV, that's 10, 5, and 1. So 10 and 5 and 1 is 4, is 14th? King Louis the 14th. King Louis the 14th. Okay. I did it there live for you so you would know that I not only understand Roman numerals, but I can uh, compute them very quickly in my head. So this is a news story uh, from a long, long time ago, uh, and it's about when King Louis XIV died. Okay, so here's the deal. He died, and his heart was removed from his body and embalmed because his dad's heart, King Louis XIII, a much easier Roman numeral to read, for me, uh, his heart had been embalmed. So they were like, okay, dad's heart's over here. So Sun King is going to uh, go over here. There's these two embalmed hearts. That's not even the spooky part. Um, first of all, the heart of King Louis XIV didn't stay next to the dads for long because the English nobleman, this dude, Lord Harcourt, was such a fan of King Louis XIV that he acquired the heart and placed it in a silver casket, which he would occasionally take out to show to his guests. Okay, so we have two kings, a dad and a son. Both of their hearts are embalmed. They're supposed to stay together, but this dude, Lord Harcourt, is like, but I love King Louis XIV. I want to know how much sexual tension was happening here. Gets the heart, puts it in a casket. That's not the spooky news either, because one of the guests whom Lord Harcourt showed the heart to was this dude, William Buckland, who was a British theologian. He also famously described and named the first known dinosaur, Megalosaurus. 
this dude is like really you should read about William Buckland. Lots of information on this dude, but I'm I'm not going to tell you all of it. I'm just going to let you know that this dude had made it his life's mission to taste every animal he could. So when Harcourt shows him the embalmed heart of Louis the 14th, Buckland's like, "Yeah, dude, let me eat that shit." He ate it. He ate the heart. He ate King Louis XIV's heart. Now, um, he he died shortly after eating the heart. I looked into this because I was like, is it because he ate the heart? But I, it was far enough after that I don't think the heart actually killed him. He was buried in St. Nicholas's Churchyard in Oxfordshire, England. Maybe we'll have time to go and see that gravesite of William Buckland. And Louis XIV is buried in the St. Denis Basilica, but he doesn't have his heart. So his heart is in the belly of Buckland over in Oxfordshire. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty spooky. Please, please send me all of your spooky news. Email me at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. If you see a new news story, if you see an old news story, send it all my way. I will choose these news stories and report them to you dutifully uh, every episode. Until next time, that's been Spooky News. Okay, as I mentioned, we're in December, and that means it's time to get your holiday gifts if you haven't already. Uh, if you didn't already know this, we have new palm hats that say Jenny's now infamous catchphrase, wow, 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 wow. How many wows was that? Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, it says it four times across the hat. We have kid-sized Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy t-shirts. We have mugs back in stock. We have alewife t-shirts. We have so many things. And as many of you know, we host all of our merch through a place called Hello Merch. We love Hello Merch. Uh, and also, Angel on Top, Jenny Owen Young's, and Gay Stuff by Kristen, my new little store, are all hosted at Hello Merch, which means you can get things from all four of those places if you want. You can get an alewife tea and a patriarchy mug. By us, you can check out Angel on Top's new Cordelia t-shirt or their new Big Demon Energy enamel pin. You can grab some of Jenny's music or some of her t-shirts. She has awesome shirts and sweatshirts for you. And you can go and grab some Gay Stuff in my store, Gay Stuff by Kristen. You can put it all in the same cart. Fun for the whole family. Also, uh, while we're talking about gift giving, tis the season, whatever that means. No, we do know what it means actually in this case. Many of you have been asking about our handwritten lyric sheets because you want to get some for your loved ones for the holidays. We have put up five. I don't know how many remain because we put them up last week, but hopefully there are still some there for you. All of the proceeds from the handwritten lyric sheets will go to benefit Trans Lifeline. Definitely a really awesome time to be giving some dollars to Trans Lifeline. They do incredible work. You can check them out at translifeline.org. There's five sheets. That's all we're going to be able to do this holiday season. So grab them if you want one. And they are now up in our actual store. So they're no longer in their own little place. You can get them just by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, clicking on shop. So you'll see all that good stuff plus the lyric sheets. And again, 100% of the proceeds go to benefit Trans Lifeline. We will be back in your ears on December 19th with an episode for Goodbye Iowa before we take a couple weeks off for the holidays. And you might want to tune into that episode for a few reasons, one of which is that we'll have a pretty fun announcement up in that intro. Okay, I think we're ready to talk about the Ion team.
And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, one at a time. Spoiler free. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. You all right? Yes. You're going to make it? Yeah. Okay. My name is Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about season four, episode 13, The Eye in Team. Funny, mm-hmm. I didn't think there was an I in Team. There's not, but there's an M and an E. Oh, wow. Deep. I guess we'll get there. (laughs) Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. And listen, if you haven't yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach, what are you doing? What indeed. The Iron Team was written by David Fury and directed by James A. Contner, originally aired on February 8th in the year 2000. This is the one where Buffy teams up with Riley after she's allowed access to the initiative. Spike is targeted by commandos. It's a weird weird summary. Like, I feel like those are important points, but they're like, Anya plays poker. Like, it just feels like they could have gone a little bit more in depth with the whole thing. Jenny, before we go any further, I'd like to let you and our listeners know that I have graduated to my fifth notebook of Buffy notes. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, the Ion team marks the first entry into uh, notebook number five of my ongoing notebook. What? You, she's scoffing no, at me. No, I'm not me. scoffing at you. I'm just like, ugh, of all the episodes to like start a new notebook <laughs> on, it's like, uh. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic, but uh, nevertheless. So is your first note in your new notebook poker night? No, actually, my first notebook, my first note in my notebook is Previously, LOL Spike, The Rose, you're strong. I like it. Dude. (laughs) I just like, those were my previously on highlights. Like, I was really glad that we got to see uh, The Rose highlighted again after I just like, Uh uh I just edited and uh, we're about to put up the episode for a new man. And so (laughs) I just recently listened to you and Kate and I talk about the rose and what did taking we say? the petals off the rose. Mm. We just had a good time with mm. it. So I was delighted to see it in the previous <laughs> on. And then just like Riley being like, you're strong. I like it. I think that's a great look for Riley. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty into it. I think it's like, I mean, I've been recently trying to uh, analyze everyone's kinks, which is really very present <laughs> in this episode, actually. Uh, and I, I think that like one of Riley's developing kinks is like he's he's learning that he is turned on by a woman who can bench press him. Wow. You know? Yes. And like, who doesn't get that? No, no, I'm on board. <laughs> uh, so now we're at the poker table. Yeah, Anya's got a couple of kinks. Yes. Money. <laughs> money Money is uh, probably her top This is kink. like, I. is this the first time we've seen Anya and money? I think so. It's hard to say because I have so, like I have all of the Anya money memories in my memory bank. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. Uh, no pun intended. But um, I, I think this is the first time that she's, because it, it's almost like we're learning, We're it's almost like we're watching her learn what money can do in real time in this episode, right? Because she's like, she's like on Xander for like selling these bars and he's like, but money will mean I can buy you things. Right, and you right. see her like perk up. Yep. So yep. I think yes is the short answer. And also spanking. 
And yes, Anya's other kink is spanking. Now, who do you think spanks Yeah, who? I mean, it's like, <laughs> is it her kink or is it Xander's? And which direction is it right? going? I very, Difficult to say. I very much imagine it's an Anya spanking Xander. <laughs> I'm so I sorry. I'm so that. sorry, everyone. I don't want to imagine that I just in got fired. The, the, the Watchers Council just fired me <laughs> I, <laughs> from yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying that I think that it goes in that direction. I don't think it was Xander's idea. I think it was Anya's idea. You know? Uh, it's it's Anya's kink, but it flows in that direction. Jesus. That's what I think. But I listen, hate, hate I, thinking about this. I cannot wait to get all of your emails telling me <laughs> what I did wrong and analyzing this sure. spanking kink. Sure. Uh, speaking of kinks, Xander is looking ripped. Have you, did you notice his no. fucking arm? Can you, Jimmy, can you believe that I didn't the, notice? You're the one on hunk watch. What I the hell? know. I don't know. Well, his, he's wearing this blue sweater in the scene that is like painted on his body. Mm, and oh like, yeah. Now, now that you say it, it's <laughs> ringing a couple that, bells. Ringing, ringing some bells for you. Yeah. It's like, I'm here for painted on sweaters when you have some guns like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I like it. I sure. like it. Xander is, we learned, selling those um, energy bars that Regina George loves, you know, the ones that um, yep, uh, are full of, uh, full of no, ca- no carbs, fa- fatty goodness, yeah. is what, <laughs> the way he describes the ingredients. Um, and yeah, that's really, I mean, the point of this scene for me is that we learned that Anya and Xander are spanking, that Willow learns it, that Xander drops his cards everywhere when it's revealed. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, which is further evidence that he's the one getting spanked, I feel you like. You think? I don't know. I feel like he would be less uh, bajickety about it if he was administering the spanking. <laughs> administering. I think that he is uncomfortable with the idea of spanking no matter what. Like, I think he would have dropped the yeah. cards even if he were spanking Anya. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, I see that. Wow. Well, as predicted, we have already talked about spanking for five full minutes yep. Um, yep. this episode and more to come. So um, the other piece of this scene, of course, is to establish that they are worried about Buffy's involvement right. with the initiative. Right. Um, and then, you know, we cut to this test that they're doing to, like, measure her abilities. Mm. Shout out to Buffy's um, Black Beanie is back. The Black Beanie oh, sure. is sure. black. The Black Toque. We will hear from Kate Leth later in this episode, so I want to make sure that everyone's languages Inclusive are respected. Inclusive language, sure. Here, um, but she's wearing the Black Beanie and a nice silver coat kicking all the all the ass all over town. Dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I assume you're referring to me, dude, or the collective listenership, dude. Uh, yeah, both. <laughs> um, this is great. Love seeing this. Love seeing Buffy kick everyone's ass. When your like upper lip sticks to your teeth, you're really going in a particular place. <laughs> Where are we going? No, I just, I just really like it. I feel like it took them 42 minutes to track her, and she neutralized them in 28 seconds. Yes, which is, uh, excuse me. A little bit of hell math. Hell math. Oh, so lovely to hear the hell math jingle. Yeah, so... <laughs> You're like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, we we lived it. We all heard it. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on my point, uh, which is... Well, it's, it's two things. First of all, I love how pleased Riley is. This is like mm-hmm. extending from what we just saw in the previously on. I love how like giddy he is. He's like, my girlfriend kicked everybody's ass <laughs> tight. And also, I just feel like to get way ahead of ourselves. Sure. Yeah. We assume Professor Walsh is a smart lady. She's 
heading up a secret government operation that deals specifically with supernatural whatnots. And <laughs> her big plan to take out Buffy later in the episode is to just trap her in a sewer with two Polgara demons that like they have under like mind control. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. When she just took out a slew of G.I. Joes. Right. Uh, this is just like very poor planning. I, I agree. I agree. And I like, I got there at the end of the episode too, where I was like, wait, this was your plan? Like you literally... I thought you were some kind of mastermind. Yeah, not a great mastermind plan, but whatever. So, love Buffy recounting in the lunchroom? Wait, 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 Oh, well, what wait. did I miss? What did I miss? You missed... Professor Walsh is going to pivot to want to kill Buffy, but in the first moment when she comes out of that fucking truck and she's like looking at Buffy who has just done this thing that she's never seen anyone do, uh -huh. she is hot, hot, hot for Buffy. She's just like looking at her and my note is, please go back and pause for Walsh's love eyes. Okay. <laughs> the other thing that I want to point out, because this is an episode, I mean, really, this is like a sexual tension episode. It's just full of like kinks and sure, sure. all sorts of nonsense. Um, so Graham is like, hey, hey, buff, thanks. And Forrest is like, fucking Buffy, which will set off the course of Forrest's narrative for this uh -huh, episode, uh -huh. which is he's so pissed that his boyfriend has a new girlfriend. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. He is. Now we can get to the lunchroom. Oh, boy. I have things to talk about on the lunchroom. Okay. So this like whole deal where she's like and then i kicked all the commandos asses and then i used one of them as a shield and he absorbed yes. a blast of twelve thousand volts this is fine <laughs> what yeah it's, i mean i guess like in military training like you do suffer some injuries and stuff right i don't know I we're, don't know. we're really not I think skilled it's supposed enough to, to be a secret oh <laughs> I mean, that's what I've heard from you were people never that more I've known. of a tiny child than in that moment. Well, that's what I've heard. It's supposed to be a secret from people who've gone through like uh, Marines boot camp. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's really bad, and I wish I never did it, but I can't tell you anything about right, it. Right, and right, right, right. Like, I would imagine there. that there's. I mean, probably not to this extent, but I would imagine that there's some bodily trauma when you're learning how to be a soldier. Oh yeah, not to mention psychological trauma. Yes. So okay. So. <laughs> Jenny, you have a segment that you've began, begun, whatever, called, well, does it have a name? It's like Riley's palm size. The size of <laughs> Riley's hands on Sarah Michelle Gellar's body. Watch. Yes. 2019. So we'll get that. I mean, 2018. I mean, what year is it? When this episode airs, it will still be 2018. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. They just started like selling like Christmas tree candy on November 1st. I'm all turned around. Yeah, yeah. we're really in it. We're in the thick of things now. Uh, but Riley. So, OK, fine. Right. They're like having this exchange and um, Riley walks in and Buffy's immediately distracted. And Willow's like, what? And she's like, Riley just walked in. Pan to Riley picking up every apple in, <laughs> in the basket for like so long. Like he's just like picks up an apple. Like the cut is like just like two seconds too long where dude, you're like, dude, I don't there's, think there's a really great Riley cut later that's like two seconds too long that I can't wait to talk about. Maybe that's the theme of this episode. 
<laughs> just a little bit too much of Riley. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I also have a, oh my God, I have a moment from later that fucking kills me. We'll get there. Okay. So anyway, Riley palming apples just reminded me of your segment. Um, oh yeah. The size of Riley's hands on apples in the lunchroom. Watch <laughs> yeah. 2018. I mean, I feel like I know it's mostly specific to Sarah Michelle Geller, but I, I just He's feel a like, huge man. Right. Like living in a regular size world. I feel like the segment should be the size of Riley's palms. Like, you know, on, yeah. on whatever. His whole hand. His whole hand. Because I'm we're sorry. not usually seeing his palms. We're seeing just the, the wrap of his fingers. The wrap of his fingers. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Obscuring his palms because they are uh, adjacent to whatever he is gripping. So anyway, he chooses after all of that apple palming, he chooses a Twinkie. Can we just talk about Twinkies are disgusting? Yeah, but Twinkies were such a thing in the 90s. I mean, but they still so are gross. such a thing. There's, but... they, they, there's, there's, there's so many. Okay. Butterscotch crumpets, oatmeal cream pies, <laughs> ding dongs. <laughs> What were the other like ones that were like ding dongs, but they were like hot dog shape? Rolos, no. Oh, Rolos are candy. Rolos are candy, but, but I do know what you mean. I don't know what they're. There's called. like two devil dogs. Yes, devil dogs. Wow, exactly. I can't like, believe that just came out of my brain. All of that, uh, like, sort of like single serve, most extreme cake stuff. Sure, but most of what you listed are either chocolate based cakes with um, cream filling or they have frosting of some kind. So what about the people who don't want as much of the sweet stuff and they just want the vanilla cake? That's who the Twinkies I are for. I would say Twinkies and oatmeal cream pies have a, have a comparable amount of cream. So you're going oatmeal cream pie over Twinkie. Oatmeal day. cream pie was actually my yeah. tip top actually, number I, one I fucking fave. loved an oatmeal cream pie, I do have to admit. At my mom's house, we never had any trash. Uh, meaning food like this <laughs> yeah. yeah but in my dad's house <laughs> there was like soda and oatmeal cream pies and i would wait for my dad to go to bed and then i would turn on mtv uh -huh. which we didn't have at my mom's house yes and i would drink a pepsi <laughs> sometimes a coke my my stepbrothers like one of them preferred coke and one of them preferred pepsi so there was so always got both yeah it what was kind of fucking, fucking wild over there says. it was it was like eden um <laughs> And then I would eat an oatmeal cream pie, wow, so drink a soda, watch MTV or The Legendary Journeys of Hercules, or later <laughs> when there was a spinoff, Xeno Warrior Princess. Wow. Uh, Getting in all of your candy, both uh, visually <laughs> yeah, yeah. and... Uh, I was like, my dad edibly? can never know that I'm eating this oatmeal cream pie, that I'm drinking this soda, that Xena is making me gay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. What a monologue that was. Also, I think it's really nice that you said it was like Eden in an episode where we meet Adam for the first time. Oh, God. I'm just fuck, saying. Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. We'll when get... people say they want to delete this season, yeah, I just feel like we're really starting to get a face full of it right now. Well, Adam is pretty rough. Yeah. The whole thing is pretty rough, but I'm having a joy in this episode. I want. I took so many notes and I laughed aloud. So like, I'm yeah, here. No, but no, then, no. You know, that's the thing about Buffy, right? Is that like, even the worst season is still great. Well, and But it's because we love the fucking characters so much. So like in these episodes where the plot is just like, what? And the, and the like ancillary stuff is like, what? We still have our Willow. We still have yeah. our, you know, our core characters who are like oh Giles and Spike you know like yeah yeah we get yeah. the we get the delights we need to keep us keeping on Some um delights. so this scene ends of course uh, in the lunchroom with uh Willow saying 
everyone's getting spanked but me. Um, she's uh, she's really upset. And so since we've been talking about spanking so much, Jenny, please, I couldn't think of anywhere we should go but to our dear friend, Kate Leth. Queen of fashion, queen of spanking. <laughs> it's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Sing, sing, part, oh, sing, sing, part. How lovely are thy angles. Your roots so brown, your ends so white. Like darkness fading into light. Oh, sing, sing, part, oh, sing, sing, part. How lovely are thy angles. Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch and to the holiday season yet again. This isn't a holiday episode, but I'm getting in the spirit. And how could I be inspired by anything more than I am inspired by Tara McClay's hair? We've talked on episodes where I've guested. I think I've mentioned it in Fashion Watches before, but I was an avid wearer, user, worshiper of the zigzag part in my hair for all of the years that I watched Tara do the very same. This is a really exciting episode if you're a Terra fan, and I'm a Terra fan because I'm a person with a heart who lives and exists in this world. It is so exciting to see her. It is so exciting to watch her talk to Willow, and even though it's early days and it's stumbling days, ugh, Willow, you're so sad that everyone's getting spanking but you, but just give it time. Speaking of Willow, because I must, she's at her fashion best in this episode, as far as Willow goes in the, you know, 2000s. Um, I think her hair looks really cute. I have so much nostalgia for these knit sweaters, all this crocheted and fuzzy fabric and ridiculous long skirts and giant chunky heels. And even Buffy's wearing one of those super long skirts, although she is also wearing a very cute cropped leather jacket thing with wrist cuff bracelets, which is just a great look even today. And of course, I will mention, because I think I would be fired if I didn't, the fact that yes, she wears a toque. If you don't know what a toque is, a toque is the Canadian way to say beanie. It's a French word. It is T-O-Q-U-E. And every single time someone says beanie to me, I assume they mean the floppy hat that sort of hangs off the back of your head that every boy you dated in college that you probably shouldn't have was wearing. And every girl that you should date now is probably wearing. But yes, Buffy's wearing one and she's pulling it off alongside a questionable shiny silver blue puffy jacket in the opening scene. Buffy gets a lot of great looks in this episode. Her orange halter top when she goes to the bronze with her many, many, many necklaces, some of which my mom definitely owned because my mom is very cool. And some less exciting outfits like the weird brown tunic top that she's wearing towards the end of the episode. But overall, it's just a really good episode for fashion. Everyone gets some highlights. We're seeing some Anya. People are getting to know each other. And Willow stays the night. And you know why she did? That's right. It's that zigzag part. Remember, be especially nice to retail workers and people in food service this holiday season. And with that in mind, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Well, oh, thank you, Kate. Thank you for that. Thank you for <laughs> agreeing to our spanking transition. Uh, we love you. 
So Spike found a place. Spike found a place, kind of. Also, Jenny, do vampires fucking sleep or not? I just feel like we're getting mixed messages about this. They seem to I think sleep. it's like, it's like, so Spike seems to indulge in human vice. He smokes, he drinks, he sleeps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he also has like a, no conscience, right? Then you have somebody like Angel who seems to actually like, just like spend all of his time conscious, uh-huh. brooding, uh-huh. never indulging in any vice uh-huh. of any kind. Right. So you think it's like they can elect to do human type things if they want to, but they don't have to for survival. That's the that's the impression that I get. Also, is anybody really going to be able to sleep laying on a bare stone tomb? Yeah, they covered were... in what looks like a drop cloth from a recent like painting site. Well, he needs to keep many drop cloths on hand for all of his fucking <laughs> r- r- rendezvous in the sun. Sure, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. He doesn't require a lot of uh, fabric coverings um this scene is wonderful because a couple of our favorite lovers are back together again the odd couple yeah sniping at each other needs a woman's touch care to have a crack on it now to that spike i'll give you a patriarchy jingle but before i do that i will say that i laughed mostly because of giles response now jingle please Uh, While the patriarchy jingle was blaring in all of our ears, Jenny was like, what was Giles's response? And it was just that his he like was like upset with Spike, but he was also like, oh, this again. You know what I mean? Like he he misses Spike. And you know what? Well, Ethan just left town. So Giles is once again lonely. Craving the touch of an English bloke. (laughs) Companion. But Spike's not having it. He's like, our business is done now that I have your $300. I don't want to hear from you, see you, nothing. Leave me alone. I don't need you. Fuck you, dad. Yeah. And Giles is kind of hurt by this. Um, and, <laughs> and like Giles has a couple of points that he makes before he gets tossed out, which is like maybe there's a higher purpose and he gets totally railroaded by Spike. Yeah. Even <laughs> railroaded oh. by Spike. <laughs> even if even if there wasn't a higher purpose, like he he's appealing also just to the, the fact that Spike likes to destroy things. Right. And he could be destroying things as part of a team. Right. It's very sweet. And he also makes another point, Giles does, about Spike's choice to stay in Sunnydale. Now, Spike says later on in the episode, like, I'm staying here until they fix me, right? But I just feel like... He just likes he, hanging around with the he gang. He does. It's like his his little family is also, here, even though he hates them. It's like, so what's the deal? They're not going to kill Spike because he's harmless right slash charming slash hot (laughs) but they are gonna like let him you know sort of move in the general direction of trying to get fixed yeah it's very it's all uh, rules are suspended when it comes to spike yeah because he is hot i fall victim to those funny that rule suspension all the time so giles leaves spike's crypt and we go to the initiative where Two things uh, happen as we roll into this scene. One is that the dialogue is written, of course, so that we think they're talking about doing it, right? Um, Are you ready? Jenny. I hate 
need it. Since this is an audio-based endeavor. Sorry. <laughs> I'm to stop me. I just that. hate it. I don't like this like, what, enough. Uh, okay, what don't you like? Let's, let's just, let me pause my train of thought so that we can discuss why you made that noise for so long. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't like how they're like get it like sex <laughs> yeah it's very over the t- it's very over the head and like the the first turn of the scene where she hasn't gotten her retinal scan yet uh Jesus. is really over the head and then like once they get into the initiative it continues with you told me it was big but you never told me it was huge and riley says i don't like to brag and we're like we get it yes penis vagina Ugh. <laughs> so <laughs> So, but the other LOL moment is like this massive deal they make of her seeing the initiative. This is Sarah Michelle Gellar's (laughs) finest and most demanding performance to date. She pretends to find the initiative impressive. Once again, once again, for those of you just joining us, uh, the initiative is like an airplane hangar with a pit dug out and filled up with tinfoil. Uh, filled up with Reynolds, like an <laughs> aluminum tinfoil. The good kind, the kind that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like thick foil. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And there's a, like, oh, like three or four uh, tables that like uh, demon bodies are. Uh... Why? Why? It's not sterile. They're doing um, all kinds of stuff down there, right? All kinds of procedures, we assume. Assumably, like if they're doing behavior modification, this is like surgery sensitive. You don't want like germs. Airborne. Sure. Uh, bacteria or yeah. germs or whatever getting into the mix. They're just, they're just, it's fine. We'll just cut them all open down here in this tinfoil lined pit. The tinfoil <laughs> just make, makes everything fine. And uh, it's so stupid. I hate it so much. Jenny's really upset. I hate the initiative. Yeah, I think and, most of us are with you. And Sarah Michelle Geller won an Emmy for this episode, <laughs> of course, as we all know, uh, for doing such a great job a lie, at pretending <laughs> that this is impressive because it is not. And I hate it. Also, the elevator never drops off where they got off. Oh, it drops off at a different place. That's right. Oh, yeah. It drops off at the top. And they always are at the bottom. Like, yeah. it drops off at the top of the stairs. Yes. <gasps> How dare. How dare you? You thought you could pull one over on us. Not today, whoever wrote this. <laughs> Somebody. David I wasn't, Fury. Uh, it was David uh, Fury. So, also. Oh, oh yes. Sorry. Please continue. No, no, no. Please. Please keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god sorry i just realized the, the note that i have following sarah michelle geller's like acting or whatever was wow look at all this foil <laughs> uh so riley and buffy are still in the throes of like oh this is where you work oh you're such a hot gi joe oh you're such a hot chosen one uh and they start to kiss and then walsh beginning what will be her journey yeah. into continually loving to watch Buffy and Riley do sexual things together, rounds the bend no. and is like, hello. No. no. Hello. Well, why don't you stop doing that? Uh, and then, of course, she's so, she's in such a good mood by the fact that she's gotten to witness this <laughs> that she makes a very rare joke. Your visitor's pass. I have assembled some reading material to bring you up to speed. Oh. I thought I was never going to get homework from you again. You can't take that home. That's classified material, highly sensitive. When you're through reading those pages, you'll have to eat them. To which Riley's like, she's joking. And she is so pleased with herself. She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I did. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she jokes so infrequently that her jokes are 
completely indiscernible from the rest of everything else that she says. Also, she's like gesturing to the tinfoil pit. She's like, we call this the pit. Really? Where'd you get that name? Wow. What a cool name. This is a serious ass government operation. Uh, so we see all the weapons. We see this new com cam, which Riley so thank you so much for explaining to us that com cam means communications camera. Riley. Listen, there's a lot of uh, fast paced, oh, God. short syllabled. Military lingo flying around down in the pit. Buffy gets a pager, which will be very, very important. This is the first pager she's had, which means that we certainly haven't heard one of the most infamous lines of the whole series yet, right? If the apocalypse comes, beep me. Doesn't that happen in season one? Oh, yeah, but she doesn't have a fucking pager. What the fuck? So, okay, backtracking. Yeah, because I saw this and I was like, oh, I guess that line hasn't happened yet. I just feel like it's happened and it happened so long ago, but... Yeah, she said she's been meaning to get one of these. So joke was on us in season one had we needed her. Or at least on Giles. Yeah. <laughs> so um, also also in this scene um, in the pit on the monster tables, there are a couple of like Cthulhu looking yes. uh, swamp things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Engelman is working on them. And <laughs> fuck Dr. Engelman. And and Walsh says forebodingly. <laughs> Uh, soon enough, they'll be under our control. <laughs> and then she goes on about how uh, Dr. Engelman is like a leading dude in xenomorphic uh, behavior he's modification. Worst. He's the fucking worst. I wish Adam had skewered him. I will tell you what. That would have been nice. Right? Um, Professor Walsh's monotone is very, very intense in this episode. And I, my theory is that like the direction was to be as monotonous as possible so that when we get to the end where she's screaming after Riley, it's like a complete oh, yeah. turn, right? Because for <laughs> the first bit of the episode, I'm like, I mean, I, we get it, but you could like inflect a little bit. Right, right. Um, anyhow, let's please get to the next scene. Let's please leave the pit <laughs> so we can get to, I've been trying to find a doll's eye crystal my entire life. I've been trying to find a doll's eye crystal my entire life. Well, since June, anyway. Where'd you get it? It, it was my grandma's, I think. I found it a long time ago in my attic. I I want you to have it. Oh, no, Tara. That, that's really sweet. I can't. It's like a family heirloom. Listen, everybody. I have a lot to say about this fucking scene. I titled this commentary, Lesbians. <laughs> Good. Capital L, capital E, capital, you get it. They're all, all the letters are capital. All the letters are capital. Sure. Tara's like, fucking, here's this goddamn priceless, priceless, incredibly rare, rare family heirloom. My grandmother gave it to me, but I have I met, just met you. I have met you, and I will give it to you. I will give it to you because I am a lesbian. A lesbian <laughs> witch. Now, listen, I know well, whatever. What kind of fa- family feelings. heirlooms have you given away to feelings somebody? Or you feelings or feelings. Listen, Jenny, I don't know if you know this about me, but I happen to give advice to a lot of tiny queer people mm, yes. for a decade of my life. And I can tell you that among other things, I had a an email. I think we might have even talked about it on the podcast before. I had an email written to me uh, uh, from somebody who said, I have been dating my girlfriend for one month and I would like to commemorate this occasion by giving her a dove, a live dove bird, a dove. <laughs> Dove bird. She wanted to give her girlfriend a yeah, bird. We did talk about this. And a live creature is one thing. 
But a family heirloom is a different thing. This is just, it's thing. Feel, it's like, and listen, everyone has feelings. Obviously, not just queer women have feelings, but like, I just feel like this is some gay shit right here, you know? It's, it's very gay some shit. Fucking gay shit is happening. I need to get, and, and Willow, to her credit, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold the fucking phone. Hey, let's just, uh, let's just like press pause here for one, one second. Like, um, I haven't even explored how I feel about Lady Crystals. So just give me a second. Uh, Tara is like, even right out of the gates before she invites her immediately. That Also, that's the other thing, right? So Tara's like super sad that Willow doesn't take the crystal, but she's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You can like see her. But also, yeah, she's like bummed, but Willow's like, well, let's do spells with it together and Tara's like how about tonight (laughs) (laughs) like Tara I love you but just fucking calm just Just be cool for once just be cool be cool she can't be cool at all and Willow heartbreaker Willow is like I have plans and I you know I I don't think that this particular crowd of people like she's really and like um, she didn't have to say it like that she didn't have to say that she could have just said I have plans tonight I mean but how about tomorrow but how about tomorrow but I think she felt I mean, this this person, she's getting very close to you. They've removed petals from a rose and they've moved a vending machine, Jenny. Those are two so big steps that's in pretty, any relationship. Yes. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're moving pretty quickly along the common trajectory for relationships. And I think she she felt that Tara was wondering why she wasn't invited, you know, like why she couldn't come along. So she had to justify right. it. Right, but yeah, right, the right. way she says it is like crappy. And also there's a lot going on for Willow here. And we see more of it. As we saw some of it last episode, and we're going to see more of it in this episode, (gasps) where she's not willing to talk about Tara at all, which is because willing is not the word I would use. Able. She's not able to talk about it because she's really confused about whatever is happening. And she knows it's like that thing where you know that it's more than a friendship, but you haven't ever had it before. So you just keep thinking, like, it's a friend. Like, you had the experiences like this, right? Where you're like, this is a friend. It's a friend. It's a friend. It's yeah, a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know it's not, but you're not able to really give it any other meaning apart from, I can't talk about it because I think it's more than that, but I don't know what that means. And this right. is where our sweet, sweet Willow is. Wait, have I had that? I mean, I don't know. The first girl that you ever were with, did did were you just like, yep, gay? <laughs> or like, was it more of a question? Uh, yeah, no, I guess it was more of a question. Also, there was like no talking about it because she had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in, when I was like well before I was out, I came out at 17. And when I was like 12, I had experiences where I knew that my feelings were intense, but I didn't know why they weren't sexual feelings. Even. Right. Like they right, were right, just right, like right. really intense. Like, please have this family heirloom crystal. <laughs> yeah. Please. Uh, but I couldn't I couldn't quite put my finger on it. No weird Freudian pun intended. Mm. <laughs> okay, so why don't we go to room 314. Well, well, well. <laughs> oh my fucking God, Adam. This is a mess. The metal plate on the side of his head. <laughs> the for no good reason. He has the exact same bone structure in his face on one side as the other, but half of the skin is either necrotized or demonic. Necrotized. Or whatever. Does that mean like dead? Deaded? Yeah, I hope I'm wow nailing that. 
it's just like diagonally split yeah. across his fist is really really bad it's like but the thing is is like they're they're trying to make a like give a nod to frankenstein of course right but but it's just so unrealistic because we're in this like high-tech tinfoil lab <laughs> and like yeah. <laughs> they just like they they definitely could have taken the head of a monster. Like, you know, they didn't have right. just... or is the head of a dude. Right. And like where this singular hum- where head? this human body come from? Ooh, shit. Good question. Where did, where this, did human this human body, body come, come from? from? <laughs> we like pause the episode to take a minute. We're like, fucking, we need Detective Angel. Detective Angel. Oh, any chance to get a little Who bit can... of that Detective Angel jingle? Anyway, yeah, we don't know. Thoughts? Great. Email us at bufferingthevampireslayer <laughs> at gmail.com. Whew. So also before we go to the next scene, this is the first time that we have this mommy baby <laughs> situation of Adam and Maggie. Uh, that's She says, our baby. How's our baby? <sighs> and of course, later and we'll get there. No. Uh, Shush. Okay, we'll get there. I'm sorry, but we will eventually have to get there. Uh, but before we do that and before we go to the bronze, I just want to say that in this scene, apart from having the reveal of Adam, we hear for the first time she's an unnecessary risk, right? This right, is right. when we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> Walsh might be coming after Buffy. Yeah, I mean, the whole premise that a secret government organization would be like, oh, let's just start, let's just bring her in. Right. Is it's uh, yeah yeah i know okay we're all here we're all here but with you anything goes when you're down in the pit <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the bronze the bronze is looking different to me uh that just like actually the set and i don't know why like i didn't do enough research to figure out what about it but it seems like they're at their common table but it's in a different place it's like there's no stairs you, do you have something jenny i do have something i recently received some dms Ooh. from a fantastic uh, songwriter, musician named Mitski, uh-huh. who is uh, maybe you've heard, but I'm sure lots of our listeners are really into her music. She's so great. She DM'd me a week or two ago out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, and was just like, has there ever been a front of house at the bronze? Front of house is the person who is in charge of sound for bands. They oh. they sit at the mixing desk. Sure. They make sure the room sounds good. If it's the kind of club where uh, they're the front of house person is also running monitors, then they have a monitor board. Right. Whole thing. She continued, genuinely asking. I never noticed any. Also, have you thought about how it would actually suck to play at the bronze? Because you're playing to the hall of people, but also the cafe and the shop, but also the bar. Also, it's always open. So does that mean you sound check where, while people are there hanging out? Uh, I know this is a lot. This is just what I've been thinking about today. Wow. Thank you, Mitski. New friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deeply important questions somebody was finally brave enough to ask. Yeah. Well, add to that list, is this a different set? Because yeah. I just like, I don't see the staircase I normally see. Normally that table abuts the dance floor and it doesn't here. So either they're sitting... Abut. Yeah, you're right. I said abut. Uh, either they're sitting at a different table or this is a, a, like they just didn't use the same set. I don't know. Talk amongst yourselves. Anyway, we're at the bronze. Buffy's not fucking here. Willow and Xander and Anya are talking about how she's late. And then she brings the whole flipping initiative with her. Right. And I've been trying to figure out which popular 90s young person's clothing store at the mall the initiative boys most look like they are dressed from. Ooh. And I, 
I think that I landed on Aeropostal. Yeah. With a close second of the gap. No, I think like Aeropostal forest is. hooded sweater. Mm-hmm. Aeropostal, also like um, Hollister could be in the no, running. No, Hollister is like surfy. Yeah, but they have. Well, all right. I'll give you Aeropostal. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, so Buffy arrives now. I don't know that what Buffy has done here is necessarily, it's like hard to, mm, it feels like pretty crappy to me. She's been blowing off her friends to spend time with her new boyfriend and his weird secret ops government group. Right. And then they're finally going to have a night together. And she's like, oops, just accidentally brought five fucking dudes. Not yeah. just my boyfriend, right. but like that's, four other people. That's the thing is like. Also the fact that no one's hitting on Willow is insane. Oh, well, I don't think they really get the chance. I mean, I feel like this all. What, they all have to go get drinks? Yeah, that's true. So Anya runs away scared because of the initiative dudes, which is super valid. Uh, and then there's this moment, which we kind of already touched on, where Willow calls Buffy out and is like, you know, I could have fucking brought somebody and I didn't. And like, it's not cool that you did this, which I'm, I really am here for this. I'm here for like strong Willow being like, hey, this hurts my feelings. And I'm here for Buffy being like, oh, wow, I'm, I fucked up. Yes. She acknowledges who, it. Who are you going to bring? What? <laughs> right. And then Willow is like, skirt. No, nobody, nobody, not nobody. No, no boys, not one boy. There's no boys in my life. I don't know what you're talking about, boys, 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 boys. Love boys. And Willow is just like astutely asserting here that things are moving too fast as well with the initiative and Buffy and makes a really clear distinction because Buffy's immediately like, but I thought you liked Riley. And Willow's like, no, I'm really, I don't feel like she said it like that. I'm sorry. I'm annoyed with, I'm, I'm ultimately annoyed with Buffy in this scene. I was, I was coming out saying like, you know, when she first walked in, I wasn't sure, but what I was leading toward was, but then she pisses me the fuck off. She's like pretty self-absorbed, not a new character trait for our buffster, but in this scene in particular, in this episode in particular, I'm kind of like, okay, we get it. You're falling in love and like, well, she's falling in love, but it's also like resources. Also. One of the, you know, main dating difficulties Buffy has is that she either meets someone at work and that's complicated Mm -hmm. uh, because they're not a regular guy Mm -hmm. or she meets someone at school and they are uh, all too regular guys. Don't don't say his name. Don't even Um, say his name. But but Riley is kind of this interesting mix. So I think like it makes sense for Buffy to be extra pumped yeah but and you extra know caught up i just think she could do better i think she could have done better well i think we could all do better okay you're just going to defend anyone i get mad at for the whole season <laughs> somebody's got to do it <laughs> well yeah but sometimes i get mad at riley when you're not so that's I mean, true so anyway willow's worried buffy's like it's fine and then every literal <laughs> literally every pager goes off all wait the same but time. first sorry i think it's important that willow's like what's their agenda oh right right and then she like goes on this thing that kind of like hints at like the idea of like restorative justice. Yes. Like, Are they going to catch and release? Right. Like turning monsters into not monsters or are they just killing them, experimenting on them, yeah. using them, whatever. Okay. And then yes. And every then, pager and goes And then it's on. like pager Christmas. And then the grossest thing ever that has happened up to this minute marker 
is Riley says, mother wants us. <gasps> he does? Yes. I did not hear it. Yes. Yeah, oh, so I'm gross. so upset. I'll never watch this episode ever again so that I never <laughs> have to risk hearing it. Um, so then, of course, we get this like pan through of the army, which the this pan is very reminiscent of the pan that we saw in Hero and Angel, if you're watching Angel with us, when he's sort of infiltrated the demon army. Right, right. Uh, instead, now Buffy has infiltrated the initiative army and stands out like a sore thumb in a tank top, you know. Sure, and, sure. She's uh, patrolled in this halter many times. Yeah, yeah. And this is, and, and we sort of got a little bit of this when you were talking about what Willow was asking. Like, this is the real divide between the initiative mind and the Scooby mind, is we ask questions always we ask questions and we're seeing here of course that no one does and and Riley and Buffy get into this later too of like I was trained not to ask questions so they're all like dumbfounded by her being like what does it want like why do we need to not harm the thing like I need to know these answers because my fucking life is on the line right and these are important questions and they're like um skirk they don't answer anything basically and uh turn the corner meanwhile I was gonna say if you don't have anything else in this scene, Jenny, the one thing I do want to say is the transparency layover work in this scene is really quite, we've come a long way from Hush. Oh yeah, It is yeah, a yeah. beautiful uh, rendering of the monster. And then Dr. Engelman. Fuck yourself. Bovara demon. Yeah, sure. Uh, he puts, he lays over on top of the one transparency, another transparency that gives it its weapon. Yeah. It yeah. was very satisfying. Now we may proceed. So... So. Willow suddenly doesn't have plans anymore, so she goes by Tara's place, and she's like, knock, knock. Just ran right to Tara's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, do you still want to hang out? And <sighs> Tara's smile mm-hmm. is very sweet. It really is. She's very sweet. She's very excited. And then I guess they just do magic all night long. Yeah, I guess they just like do spells. Just some spells. Spells all night long. Just yeah. like some really long yeah, because spells. Willow never makes it home. Literally comes home because the next day. Because she was doing so much magic. Uh, yeah, you know how it is. Ladies got a magic. Yeah, all late into the wee hours of the morn. <laughs> so, of course, while they do magic, we cut back into the woods, or apparently in my notes, I've called it the field. Anytime they're anytime <laughs> sure. they're doing things, I've called it the field in my notes. Uh, and Buffy is just chatting, 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 and Riley has to be like, listen, not all of us can, like, t- talk in our tube tops while we right. patrol. Like, I need to concentrate. Cut to sulky. Sul- wait, 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 before we go there. Yes. They have this exchange about how he's like, yes, no, she likes you. She liked you before I did. Classic misstep, <laughs> which sails past Buffy for a second, but then she ultimately comes back to it and is like, what What do you mean? And this is where Mark Lucas is just filling time. Just oh. like, He reacts to it like five times in a row where he's like, ah, um, <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes on forever. Oh, they really stretched this one out. Yeah. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, 
During Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Then we cut to Sulky Sulky Forest. I've always been Riley's second in command, and now he picks a girl. Yeah. Oh, buddy. You got to find a new boyfriend, you know? Mm. It's okay. I love how into it Graham is. Oh, my God. Graham is so stoked. Graham is like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Graham is just like... Like, I really feel like I like Graham. He just seems like a supportive friend. Yeah. He's just, like, laid back, here to do what he's here to do. Yeah. Never gets in anybody's fucking way. Uh-huh. I like Graham. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I never realized how much I liked Graham until this viewing. Well, yeah, I'm here for Graham. So for those of you who say I never like any of the men, you're mistaken. You were mistaken. Well, who knows what he's going to do who knows? in the future. But for right now, I'm a, I'm a Graham fan. So the initiative, of course, spies Spike. On his way home from the grocery store or the gas station and the butcher. Yeah, we find out later he's gotten smokes and blood. Yeah. uh, Just in a brown paper sack. Right. And they tase him, or they, not tase him, they tag him, rather, with a (laughs) tracker. Um, He runs off. And then we move, before we find out what happens with that tracker and that vampire, we move into a beautiful... <laughs> a beautiful montage of them, Riley and and Buffy fighting and fucking. Oh god! Now it's like it's it's like it really is adding insult to injury here because this is the scene we wanted with Buffy and Faith. It's the scene <laughs> right we longed for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Two we- <laughs> people working in the same field. Yes. Getting riled up at work yes. and then taking it home. Yes. And we didn't, of course, we never got this. And now we get the scene. And but it's, it's with fucking Riley. And not only is it with Riley, but even if you like Riley, which one of us here does, this is a really silly scene. Here's the deal. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to let you say it because I can't even. So Sarah Michelle Geller, we all know, is like sex on a stick. Wow. Excuse us. Look at her go. Yeah. She can make anything look hot, <laughs> but she has been handled handed. You know that I love Mark Lucas. You know that I appreciate a hunk, but he is like a big 
wet lasagna noodle. <laughs> he is, they have no chemistry. Okay, that fucking scene where his arms are yes, out like he's yes, on the cross. Yes, Jenny. And okay, she's like two- kissing him down the center <laughs> of his torso. <laughs> it's great. Let's just, I really feel like we need to take a minute with some of the scene breakaways to the fucking. The fighting is whatever. But there's, there are a few. There is there is that scene. He is His arms are splayed. He is looking dead ahead into nothingness. And she's kissing down his pecs. He looks so upset. <laughs> so there's that scene. Then there's a scene of just him taking off one of her boots. Her boots. Her motherfucking boots. What is what that? Because I would like to hear from anyone in this room, in this room, in this listenership. Have you ever sexily taken off a shoe? Does that has that ever happened to anyone? Now, no, I don't know a that it's tall possible. boot, a tall, sexy boot, a zipped-up boot to the thigh. Perhaps I will leave room for or them. a high heel. But a fucking Aldo <laughs> ankle length. Leather. Stylish yet sensible like, patrol boot. Absolutely just, not. Come on. I think she would have taken off her own boots. What are we doing Ooh, here? And then, then there, there is one, I think there was one sexy thing, but it came after so many non-sexy things that like my brain didn't have time to fully adjust because then there's this very quick cut of her like, I think they're like almost dirty dancing uh, standing, you know, where like he's behind her and, and she's facing right, forward. Right, right, And she like and leans back and they're like kissing kind of over her shoulder and, and stuff. And the kiss is horrible. Terrible. It's terrible. Their mouths do not belong no. together. And you can tell later when they're in bed after the fact that like Sarah Michelle Gellar is really doing a lot of work to make this look good. Like she really is right. marked. Sorry, when I marked, say, when I say mark. that she is sex on a stick, I mean that she is like incredibly gifted at selling yes. Yes. things being hot. Totally. The thing that I was surprised to see in this montage, besides the fucking boot, was her sucking on his finger. Wow. It was like the opposite end of the spectrum. They were like, we need something to balance out the boot. Seriously. Like, I really feel like the director was like, listen, we got nothing. Suck his finger. Just fucking please. Truly. So anyway, they do it. Oh my God. And then when he is like over her, she looks great on the pillow. He looks like, I don't even know. I love him. He is a wonderful hunk. You know where he looks a lot better is when he's on the bottom. When Buffy's topping Riley, that's like the one moment I was like, yes. Now we're in. Now we're in. Looking up at her with the awe uh, appropriate. For yeah. the scenario. Yes. Agree. Agree. <laughs> so the oh. other part of this scene that, of course, cannot escape <laughs> mention is that as they're fucking, <laughs> Walsh is fucking rubbing one out in her office. Oh, God. <laughs> Watching. Okay. That is so much worse than what, I'm sorry. You, what you could have. That was, I'm sorry. That, I know. I'm, I didn't think I'm I was going to say that. really bummed. I don't. <laughs> that you said Should that I take it out? Also, also... <laughs> The fact that she's still watching at the That's end. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> Jenny. She saw the same shit we did. <laughs> she was like, she's still watching. <laughs> she was like, yeah, take that boot off. Take the other boot off. <laughs> no, no, no. Leave one boot off. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like sweating. I've worked myself up to an actual. <laughs> I was not a good day for a turtleneck yeah. sweater. Yeah. I am wearing, in honor of Riley, a turtleneck sweater. 
while taping this. Okay. Whew. I'm really, really sorry that I said rubbing one out. That, I, I'm sorry. Ugh. I'm sorry. I didn't want to say it. I wish I had never said it. I can't take it back now. It'll be too hard to edit. Okay. <laughs> it's too late. Wow. Just as long as you feel bad about what you I felt. Done. I felt horrible before it even left my Like, I couldn't stop it. It was just happening. I, sure. I got so worked up sure. by the sex uh, montage that it just... It happened. Um. Anyway, we go to Giles' house, and guess who's back? Your favorite character, the little match girl, is back for you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, an entarped spike uh, <laughs> comes busting through the door, which is never locked. And we get this amazing back and forth between him and Giles, where he's like, "Why should I help you?" And Spike's like, "Cause it's what you do. You help people." And then, of course, gets Spike to the end, where he's like, "Yo, bro, you made me pay you." Yeah, Giles gets that rebate. Yeah, so Giles gets like eight crumpled dollar bills back from his three hundred, <laughs> and they begin work on taking the tracker out of Spike's back, which really is a pointless scene, a situation for every reason except for getting to see James Marster's beautiful shoulders. Right, and love getting to see Spike kind of drunk. Mm -hmm. um, also, I don't know, it just seems like that tracker is just like, it just looks like a long, skinny thing. I don't understand why it was actually hard to get out. Yeah, they really, and here's, you want to know what I don't understand, Jenny, is why did we have to call Willow over to ionize the room? Is it just for the joke? Is it they were just dying to have everyone's hair stand well, on the end? The purpose of it was that the No, I mean I know to block the guys, but it just like this episode did didn't have enough material. <laughs> and they were like, we need more scenes. Cause like there's just no I just feel like there's no point to all of this. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, we get a little bit of enjoyment out of like seeing Giles and Spike ba banter and like but this this moment when their hair stands on end, I'm like, you guys, yeah, you guys. Also, the hair people were probably so annoyed they did all that work for half of one second. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, but before we yes. get there, Buffy wakes up and Riley is staring at her. Oh, he's Buffy wakes up and Riley is already staring at her. Buffy wakes up <laughs> and Riley is already staring at her. As someone who slept or tried to sleep in a bed last night. Uh, that was plagued by an enormous cat <laughs> who just sat really near me and stared at me all fucking night. I'm here to tell you, don't stare at people when they're sleeping. Sure, sure. Just don't do it. Sure, yeah. It's rude. But maybe he it's heard. off-putting. Maybe he heard that, like, you know, that's the kind of boyfriend she's into. She loves. Oh, true. <laughs> she, she loves when her boyfriend's just rude and stare at true, her all night. True, true. Um. <sighs> Also, his vitamin alarm goes off. His vitamin alarm goes off, which is very endearing, even to me. Um, but besides him staring at her, which of course I'm not here for, it is nice that her that she has Buffy has finally slept with a man who is still in her fucking bed when she wakes up and is still like, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, like I guess and she can he who shall it. not be named was still in the bed or like came back with coffee or whatever the fuck. But like, it's just nice. Despite what I think about Riley, it's very, very nice that Buffy has a fucking minute here uh -huh. where of normalcy. And we know how it rolls for Buffy. She'll only ever get a minute uh, because uh. then they have this back and forth, which we talked about already. I am how they train me. 
says Riley. Uh, they teach you to follow orders, not ask questions. And and this is important. Like Buffy's really starting to learn a little bit about him and how he functions and what have you. But Riley's also like a bit turned around by Buffy because the first thing he does when he gets down to the tinfoil pit is, is he looks through the 314 window. Yes. And fucking Walsh immediately is like, oh, what have you been up to? Fucking yeah, I watched you. And now what are you up to? Also, the second that Buffy says, what's 314, the phone rings. Yes. Ring, yes. Ring, ring, exactly. Ring. God, yeah. The only thing less sexy than the chemistry between Buffy and Riley or lack thereof is Professor Walsh watching them. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Makes makes a person say all sorts of horrible things they wish they could have never said. <laughs> Anyway, uh, beautiful spike arms in the next little cutaway. Then, of course, we already discussed Willow's been out all night. And out all night. Buffy and, and Willow both have this like, oh. Oh, where oh, were you last oh, night? Well, hmm. <laughs> uh, Giles then, you know, calls for Willow right, because right. they need to extend this fucking episode for us because we just can't get to the end of it. And Walsh sends Buffy to the sewers and the rest of the team elsewhere because With of the course thousand dollar prototype yeah she doesn't give a fuck she just wants this girl dead well i think she wants confirmation that she's dead right right and and here's, here's danger's my birthright here, Buffy says. <laughs> here's girl. my question about this whole fucking thing right You've already marked your distaste with the fact that, that they've put two demons against her when they already saw what she could do. Yeah. But but my question is, because they didn't just put two demons against her, they also gave this they gave her this device that would confirm when her heart stopped. So she didn't only have to kill the two demons. She had to, I think her move is what she did here is she killed one, put the no, were you shaking your head at me? One. I think she just took it off because it's on the ground. Oh, and that's all you needed to do that's to that what, device? I think there's a massive design flaw because otherwise, how would it monitor your heart rate if it's not making contact with you? Right. Well, see, that's that's why I thought that, wow, did she kill one, pop the thing on it as it died? So it was like still on a living but dead being. Oh, interesting. And then, Who even knows if those things have heartbeats or if their hearts would right. beat at the rate of a exactly. human or that, if they have more than one thank heart? Thank you. Those were all of my questions. Like, like just the whole thing. I was under the impression that she just took it off, but and I guess it, it, it does the, slow down, doesn't it? It does. It slows all the way down to nothing. Maybe there's maybe because it's a prototype, there's a delay. Maybe, in but maintaining like, the signal. I think maybe just write this episode better. Write this episode better. Um. So she, of course, kicks the ass of these demons very easily, <laughs> uh, and fools everybody. And what's crazy, you know, Jenny, is that when I watch this scene, uh, where Riley comes in, and, and we'll talk about it, obviously, but. I, until this watch, had it in my mind that she could also see them, that like Buffy knew what was going on because it's such at a such, oh. it's at such a perfect time, you know, it's like right when right. Riley's finding out so that he gets to see that Walsh is a liar, but she doesn't know any of that. She no, can't no, no. see anything that's going on. And Walsh is like, Riley, <laughs> something terrible has happened. <laughs> Buffy's dead. And then Buffy picks up the calm cam and she's like, bitch, you thought I was dead. <laughs> dead you're gonna be dead <laughs> yeah. and then riley's like fuck you mom yeah this is really rough and we're gonna really explore more of this in the next episode oh are we i mean i don't think that's a spy i mean we know that like the blow that riley has been dealt whatever your feelings are for riley 
my heart fucking breaks for him in this moment because this is the moment his of, mom tried to kill his girlfriend well and like he thought the world was good and he yeah. thought that he could he trust was doing good yeah he thought right he thought he could tr- uh, makes me like honestly want to cry i just got very emotional <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like he thought he could trust what he, the, uh, the orders he was following he thought he could trust the people in charge and he can't and he couldn't and they were bad and that is really really fucking sad and he's also gone through this like pretty traumatic thing of thinking that this girl that he's falling in love with is dead and then she's fucking popped up on the tv screen like actually no your fucking work mom tried to kill me yeah and but you know what some people in the world still care about other people in the world giles is like spike it's not safe for you to stay in sunnydale spike (laughs) one last kiss before you go (laughs) your well-being is uh paramount to me Yes, right. The tracer's out of Spike, but he's going to stay because he, quote, wants to get fixed. Because he feels like it. Sure, sure, buddy. We know that move. Uh, He's going to stay because he loves the Scoobies. Just admit it already. Yeah. Um, This is the moment, of course, also that I was talking about with Walsh where Riley walks out. And this is massive. And everyone in the initiative is watching it. And they they realize how massive it is, is too, because Riley is like the right hand. You know, like he does fucking everything she says. And she is blood curdling, screaming. And she's like first like Riley Riley and then she's like Agent Finn I demand that you stop like trying orders trying anything and he doesn't fucking stop. Sorry no the the pro- the oh, the progression is the reverse. Yes it's Agent yes. Finn Agent Finn I order you to stop Riley. Riley. And he does not stop he does not look back uh, and good because he fucking shouldn't because mm. she's a fucking crazy killer and um, that's very sad we'll get more of that I'm sure and then we, of course, get this beautiful love scene between a monster and his creator. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Walsh is like, I'm not going to let this little bitch. Yeah, she's like, finally, some some meaty dialogue for me to sink my teeth into. I'm going to give this this whole monologue about like my motives and where I'm headed next and and then I'm going to get impaled and die. Yeah, and this is a pretty intense scene. And we actually, um, with any luck, we'll have an interview for you with Lindsay Krauss, who plays Maggie Walsh. Um, we had intended to put it in this episode, uh, but had to reschedule. So we're hoping to have that in the next episode mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on here. And it's like... It's also a really interesting turn. It's like, I just feel like Professor Walsh was kind of a critical piece of the initiative. Why was the decision made to like kill her off when they killed her? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it seems very sudden. So um, we'll get the chance to talk to her and ask her about what the tinfoil pit was like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. And if we do get the chance to do that, well, it'll be in next episode. Also, now I'm, now I'm, I've got big questions. Do you think that in uh, the year 2000, this set looked impressive no okay no i don't think it was ever impressive i don't think in 1950 okay. it would have looked impressive <laughs> maybe a little more because it would have been like black and white i don't know if that timeline right. checks out sure sure, for sure black sure. and white but you know what i mean i think color tv was like the 60s no yeah i think so so adam of course impales walsh and as he does dropping uh, her to the floor she says adam and he says mommy <laughs> <laughs> So to help us out of that horrific, horrific thing, let's uh, let's end this with some sexual tension awards, Jenny. Yes, let's do it.
Yes, indeed, of course. This episode's Sexual Tension Award nominees. It was hard to narrow down uh, from all the contenders in this episode, mm-hmm. but we did it. Here are your choices. First up, we've got... <laughs> you, you can do it. You can do it, Jenny. Uh, I'm trying to think of something, some alliterative way to describe two Englishmen. <laughs> It's Spike and Giles. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we've got uh, the on again, off again, G.I. Joe and G.I. Joseph, <laughs> Forrest and Riley. Uh, we've got Let Me Give You a Family Heirloom that is priceless and rare. Oh, yeah. Even though we just met a few weeks ago, let's cast some spells with it <laughs> all night. Willow and Tara. Yeah. And then, <laughs> guys. <laughs> friends <laughs> who deserves this win more than willow and spanking yeah it's true uh if you care about what i want please vote willow and spanking or follow your heart vote uh via our twitter poll you can follow us at buffering cast and cast your vote there yes and i'm gonna tell you who won last episode now we're headed to london so i have to make this call before the poll officially closes but I'm pretty sure it's going to be accurate. Coming in last place with 1% of the vote is Buffy and Riley. I do want to mention that somebody tweeted at us to say, oh my God, I accidentally voted for Buffy and Riley. I didn't mean it. So I think that's the 1%. Sorry, guys. Uh, In third place, we have Spike and Demon Giles, 18%. In second place, we have Willow and Tara with the rose 22% and taking this one of course they did is Ethan and Giles gathering 59% of the vote and all of our fan fiction stories from here until the end of time congratulations Ethan and Giles your trophies are in the mail Well, do we finally get to stop talking about this episode? Oh my now? God, Jenny, we do. We really so do. Many, so many things I'm anxious to never relive uh, happened in this episode. And therefore, it is with great joy and a song in my heart that I tell you I am Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> and when I'm not making this podcast, I am writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me and hear some of those songs at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I'm Kristen Russo. You can find everything you need to know about me, the work that I do with LGBTQ young people and their families by going over to my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can use that spelling to also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. And I will let you know, which I also let you know at the top of this week's episode, that I have a new tiny little store. It's called Gay Stuff by Kristen. And wow. so, yeah, my uh, my Queer and Forever Here shirt is in there in new colors. I have a little enamel pin. I have a safe space sticker. There's some signed copies of the book I wrote. This is a book for parents of gay kids. And you can now find all of that also on my website, kristinnoline.com. Just click on shop and it'll take you to the little store. Wow. Fun, right? Very fun. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com.
Also, um, time is now to order holiday things from our store. If you want yes. to get your loved one, smash the demon lizard patriarchy stuff. We have smashed the demon lizard patriarchy children's t-shirts hooray! because all of those older than 24 months and younger than adult size clothing have been furious with us because they couldn't fit this on their little bodies uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, so now we have something for them too uh get all of that get your socks get your records uh before it is holiday time uh and last but not least of course if you would take the time out to rate and review us on itunes that would be wonderful the other day i had a conversation with somebody they said what do you do and i told them about my podcast they looked it up and they were like five stars and over a thousand reviews and i was like dang like you made me look really legitimate in the eyes <laughs> of this person so thank you um and the more the merrier over there and don't forget about angel on top go and rate and review them too yes please do and till next time Ah, Professor Walsh, hey, don't you reckon if I could neutralize all your best guys in 28 seconds? Maybe I'm not just the slayer you're stuck with Maybe I'm the slayer that you shouldn't fuck with Come on I thought it'd be fun to join the army Or to be more specific, let the army join me Go to work with my boyfriend, what could the harm be? But I was mistaken You think two Cthulhu swamp monster dudes are worthy opponents? For me? Honey, I'm not just the slayer you're stuck with. Believe me, I'm the slayer that you shouldn't fuck with. For sure. I thought it'd be fun to join the army or to be more specific. Let the army join me.
friends, this is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.